Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright. Further cementing this movie as a Kobe Smulders vehicle, Maria Hill gets the slow walk away. <laughs> That's right. Today we are talking about Minute 133, which begins with Hill's questions for Fury and ends with repairs on Tony's penthouse. Uh, joining us on the show uh, for the first time this season, Andrew and Joe Dorowski. Hello, you two. Hello. Hello. Unreal. Where have you guys been? There's like hot Avengers action going on. We wanted to save it for the very last moment. (laughs) Swoop in. (laughs) Save the day. Swoop out. Uh, Perfect. Just like a superhero would do. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, we're coming in here. This is definitely kind of the the big final moment. You know, Fury just had his final words with the World Security Council, and we come in kind of closing out that power walk that Fury has out of his little uh, meeting room with them. And uh, then, you know, while Alan Silvestri's fantastic score is kind of pumping, and then we end up going into the bridge and we have this conversation. It's kind of a wrap-up conversation between Hill and Fury uh, that kind of sets up structure for future films the team the idea of the avengers i mean what do you think of this how do you how do you like the way that this uh, the sequence kind of wraps up the film um i think it's a good sequence if you don't know exactly what your next avenger story is going to be <laughs> <laughs> very open-ended a little bit a little bit yeah when you have fury saying things you know the the line that i love the most it just i don't know it sounds it it sounds so great coming out of Samuel Samuel L. Jackson's mouth, but when you think about what it actually means, I'm like, uh, what does that mean? Like, because Fury's like, they'll come back, and she's like, sure about that? He's like, I am, and she says, why? And his response, because we'll need them too. And that's our closing. <laughs> so, I, either they'll come back, or we'll never know. So. Talking about like the way they exchange lines, I rewatched the whole movie to get ready for this, and it reminded me of something that that is. I mean, I, I'd say it's consistent with the the writers of this film and other works that they've they've worked on. But all throughout this movie, I was just like, "Can anyone just say what they mean? Can you just say it clearly? Like, stop making a euphemism. Stop being cute." She's like, "If we ever have a situation again like this, it's like, can you just say what happens if the like what do we do if this happens again?" Like, say it straight. <laughs> what if aliens come out of the sky again and blow up our city? Like, what if we ever what have a situation? It's like, yeah. right, why can't you say it? You were there. Yeah. Because the answer is, <laughs> Andrew, they can't. They, they can't do that because it's in-universe. Well, and also, uh, like, for Nick Fury, I think he could just say, we will call on them. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I organized this this time. I manipulated them. <laughs> you know, to, to, to do what we needed them to do. Uh, I'm still here. <laughs> I will just do that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Putting putting blood on the playing cards, I'm not above that yet. Like, <laughs> I'll do it again. <laughs> it is such a funny uh, kind of wrap-up for everything. And, you know, I suppose in some capacity... We've had Nick Fury since the first film, kind of introducing the Avengers Initiative, this whole idea that he is kind of this uh, ringleader, bringing these people together to make this team, to be able to have the help that they need when big things might potentially happen. And we've seen him kind of uh, popping in and out of the films over the course of this first phase. 
And this film, when we start with the with Shield at kind of Project Pegasus as they're kind of going through this whole process of figuring out what's going on with the Tesseract and and uh, with Loki's arrival and everything, so really. S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of, to a certain extent, you could say the bookends to this particular story, and they're really setting up this idea as Nick Fury, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., and they are kind of the connective tissue that brings these Avengers together to make this all come together and actually play in a way that that works. And, you know, I, I suppose that in some capacity, when you're wanting to build a team story of heroes coming in to save the day, do we need to have shield? Like, is that something that needed to happen as opposed to just the heroes coming together and making their own little team or, uh, because in the comic books, correct me, uh, the Avengers really were just kind of their own little thing. They all kind of started working together. I don't think shield necessarily, uh, was a part of it initially. Right. Uh, no, in, in Avengers one, it's just, uh, you know, Loki getting Hulk to dress like a clown at a circus. Uh, I, and, then other heroes realize we might need to deal with this. You know, the the threat that no one hero could face alone. <laughs> well, clouds are pretty scary. Oh my gosh. So good. I'm hoping that was Avengers number one. Uh, and I wasn't pulling, but I know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, I just double-checked. That is the plot of Avengers number one. Okay. Um, Perfect. So I've got, I've got well, a number of questions about the helicarrier here. Yeah. Particular, p- particularly right now. So the scene that we have with 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 Hill and Fury, how close is that to the events of the movie? Like how many days removed or hours removed from the events of the film are we at this point? Let me check the wiki. In in the deleted scene, like the original open and close, and actually according to the wiki, this is all the very next day. Okay. So um yeah, the Battle of New York was on uh no, I, I take it back. Battle of New York was on the fourth. Mm-hmm. Then the fifth, so it's actually several days later. Uh, the next day, see, it's all a little wonky because um, we we have uh, news reports and stuff, and and even this. I mean, in our conversation that we're about to have, we have Tony and Pepper planning the reconstruction of Stark Tower. That's uh, according to the wiki on the fifth. All of the stuff with Maria Hill is on the sixth. So. Okay. So so they real quick got some buckets and some some scaffolding into yes. the penthouse. Like this is day 1. Like we have got to get buckets and tarp and scaffolding in here. And then Maria Hill does her stuff. So my big question is this helicarrier or maybe it's a statement. This helicarrier shouldn't be in the sky. They should get this out of the sky and start doing repairs. What are they doing in the sky? It's in sky dock actually. There's a lot you can't see but it's like actually hanging from larger shield infrastructure. Right. <laughs> well, and this is something that we've talked about on the show. I mean, how do they land this now? Yeah, the, there's a giant hole in the bottom. <laughs> oh, you're right. It can't be a, it can't be a ship. So it has to be in the sky. They're like right. we have to triage the repairs. We have to repair the hull, then we can land and repair the engines. And really, it's just a bunch of, like, shield-caliber Visqueen taped on the bottom of that hole so that they can submerge <laughs> it's, it it's, it's, it's the flex it's not seal. not a great plan. <laughs> yeah. Slap that right on. They've, they've, got, they've got the guy slapping it on, layer after layer, <laughs> patch by patch. <laughs> but yeah, like, I was just like, this thing, like, what are they doing up here right now? Like, everyone's at station. Like, Hill and Fury are 
on deck and everything, which, which led to my other question. I have to assume that there's some kind of quarters on the ship for people to like stay in because they're not landing it every night or anything like that. There's not a ferry. There's not a shuttle bus that's taking people to and from, but do they have like a shift rotation? So is there besides fury, like a deck commander for the swing shift? Is it like, if it's not fury, but like, if it's not fury, then he, who's in charge? Or is it always just fury? You mean like, he's just all he's he never gets a break. Well, the problem is, I would imagine it would be Maria Hill. But the challenge with that is she's always yeah. right yeah. next to Fury. Yeah, exactly. She never gets any downtime either. <laughs> They're on the same shift. So who's the other shift? Yeah, this isn't, but this that's, isn't great. Uh, that's <laughs> a target for an entire uh, Disney Plus spinoff. <laughs> like the night shift. Helicarrier colon <laughs> night shift. That's where the Daniel Pudi character's just hanging out. <laughs> Yes. Up yes. Weird antics. It's the lower decks of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> and it's got to be like a skeleton crew. So there's only like four people on the whole thing. And they're like, actually, our job is just to respond in case of emergency. We're basically just like watching the cameras. And so they're like, <laughs> they're like playing ping pong on that weird shaped table in the back. I mean, they're already playing video games during the, the day shift. We know this. <laughs> during the regular shift. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could be, you know, set up a net across the middle. And I mean, the middle is raised. They've got that thing. So they could have a really high, like, volleyball net and they could be hitting the ball over. Pickleball, <laughs> volleyball, badminton. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I, mean, I guess I, this does bring up something that, like, we're, our, our big final shot. I mean, yes, we're going to go see the, the Avengers or Stark Tower with the, with the A, uh, you know, implicitly going to become Avengers Tower. But um, it does spend a lot of time here for the end of the Avengers movie on uh shield and and this helicarrier and you know kind of acknowledging we we don't actually know nor care <laughs> where the actual heroes have gone at this point and so it is um if the avengers franchise was going to become more of the plug and play like okay we've got this hero for this this avengers film and that one for that avengers film but it, we do have a core group of avengers that's just kind of the avengers uh for 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 these mcu films at this point uh so it seems a little odd to to like drift away from our heroes and back onto shield does it feel like they're doing it specifically because they know that the next film is not going to be the avengers 2 but that they're going to be jumping back across individual stories before we get to that is that kind of like in the meta is there i I feel like maybe what we're looking at is and struggling with is the nature of like this uh, this meta scripting that they're having to do here to explain the Avengers are here when we need them, but it's not always going to be big superhero, you know, big team movies. We're going to have a lot of individual stories in between. Is 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 that kind of why it it, it feels this way? Uh, yeah, I think I think you're definitely onto something. And in the comic books, we just kind of accept that every month there's an Iron Man comic book where he's having his own adventure and an Avengers comic book that he's going to appear in, you know, and 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 yeah, I, I think right. th- those readers got used to those beats but for singular big budget films that are spaced six months to a you know a year apart from each other it it feels different i think than the comic book reading experience and then you get the the extra complicated version of it in like the modern day 10 years like a full decade after this movie comes out we have a movie with a character and it might be like three or four years before you see that character interact with anybody else ever i mean like like shang chi came out years ago and, and like, where is he? I don't know. Yeah. Right. And, and so it's just so it, it, you get to a point where it's like few and far between, which is so antithetical to the comic books where it's like, no, the comic books are constant. You're always getting something. 
I guess the, the I mean, obviously, the big challenge there is it's very easy to have, you know, a few people putting together a bunch of comic books every month, oh, yeah. as opposed to the hundreds of people it takes to put a movie together over the course of a year or so. And so, I mean, yeah, that, I get that there's that kind of production side of it. But uh, but still, I think the point remains that it does still feel a little funky. And I I think that it's. I think the struggle is just that they had to script it in some way to kind of allow for that. An Iron Man solo film where yeah. Nick Fury isn't just hanging around the corner and, and Hulk's yeah. ready to smash the bad guy, too. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one thing that, you know, we've noticed in the past, uh, Pete, as we were chatting about the, the conference room table in the back, but the fact that this room is designed with a giant shield, the eagle logo built into the floor itself they try to kind of give it to us and i don't think i've ever noticed until we've been talking about it for this show but right at the very end of that the the uh, the boom up around 37 seconds after maria's walked away you actually can see it in the floor you can see the eagle head in the distance and all of the desks and everything that are kind of across the room set up to look kind of like it's uh, the the feathers in its wings oh. and it's, uh, it is kind of a cool little thing that it's really hard to see because there's so yeah. much stuff in it but until you get this isometric kind of angle this is the only time where you can really yeah. clearly go oh yes it is there but even then i almost feel like the camera need to go a little higher to really <laughs> to really right. make it clear because i exactly. don't think i've ever noticed that till you're saying it now now that i'm looking <laughs> at that image i can see exactly what you're talking about but it, it definitely doesn't grab you uh you know in an arresting way when you when you see that visual on the screen but now that you've said it i think it's i think it's a really great design element yeah yeah yeah, they they learned their lessons from Hydra well. Put your logo everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Branding synergy. Yeah. Yep. Um and so where Fury's standing now cuz I can see at, like I, I paused on the the moment that you're talking about with the eagle, you know, as the as the whole floor. So right. Fury's workstation is back by the eagle's head. So is he just standing at it's it's just like a a viewpoint? It's just the the lookout zone where he's at, or is there also a workstation where he's standing? Like, does he have a desk? Does he have anything to actually do, or is he just watching the scenery? <laughs> well, does Fury ever sit down? I don't think in this entire movie, I don't think he sits down. Uh, so I'm looking at, I don't uh, think in this movie. Like 14 seconds, you can see him walking up. It really looks like he's just walking up to look out the window. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's just a, a scenic viewpoint, which, okay. I, it's like, a bit of a boss move to just go claim that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it is because he's standing so far to the to the belly of the of the carrier, and now everyone is just looking at his hands folded behind his back. That is that is a power move, uh, but a kind of a silly thing not to have a chair. Well, but it's it's definitely like a power spot because remember that spot that he's standing on is also the floor itself is a window too. That's where he was standing when he and Hill were talking about the bloody card, and he was looking through that window below him when he saw Iron Man and the Quinjet uh, take off to head to New York, and so. It's also like a power move just in the fact that you're standing on a window in a plane, who knows how many thousands of feet up in the air. Like, it just, I don't know, for me, it'd be nauseating to try standing on that. I mean, I think we 
we all know there's some structural integrity issues that maybe have not been addressed. (laughs) Exactly. Like that's even more of a power move. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know the helicarrier has been under attack and there's a hole in the bottom and, and Hawkeye was shooting arrows, blowing up things here and right here in the deck. But I, I'm going to stand on this window anyway. This glass is strong. (laughs) I trust it. I'm Nick Fury. Glass does not break for me until I tell it to break. That's a lot of glass for the cleaning crew to regularly polish. It's just the bugs. You got to be yeah. getting a lot of bugs smeared up on that. Oh, mm-hmm. so or or birds. And let's forget it's underwater, right? Yeah. Like sometimes, and, yeah, moss, submerged. slime, barnacles. There's algae. I want to see barnacles. <laughs> There's a green film growing on some sections. <laughs> it, I mean, it would probably start to cultivate some sort of new species of organism that can go from from water to high altitude. Exactly, it's able right? to handle the significant environmental changes. The helicarrier is pushing evolution forward. That is an angle <laughs> I did not think we would uh, reach. The birth of the sky barnacles. That's yeah. for an Ant Man film when he's in the you know sub you know when he's shrinking down into the microbial uh, level. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you know what's going on on your windshield? <laughs> it's just disgusting. Oh, that's like those those uh you know uh, those um videos that you see on on social media of like have you ever gone and looked at the surface of a strawberry in in microscopic <laughs> detail and you're like good god no i never want to eat another <laughs> strawberry again after that it's like that's what their windows look like oh wow all right. Well, uh, any last thoughts about anything going on here in the helicarrier uh, with any of this? I know we'll talk a little bit more about it in tomorrow's minute because we're going to talk about the alternate ending uh, that goes along with it. But uh, for for the actual film itself, anything last uh, here? I will just say the transition is actually a little awkward for me. And, you know, J- Joss Whedon in his writing, he, will, he usually is very careful about his transitions where, like, you know, a line of dialogue, you know, at the beginning when we're we're seeing where the gang all is, it'll say something like the soldier, and then we cut to Captain America. Uh, you know, soldiers fight wars, and or, you know, something about uh, we found it under the ocean, and then we cut to Iron Man's armor, you know, under, under the sea. But at the very beginning of this minute, when it's just Nick Fury walking down a hall into the camera, and then the next shot is Nick Fury walking on deck with Maria Hill. Like, it... it it actually isn't a very smooth transition. I just you know, want to say, I don't know what happened in the editing there, but it, it but. feels like there was something that was cut perhaps huh. between those two. Oh, why? <laughs> yes. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it is jarring. I agree. I was going to mention something also from the very beginning of this minute as Nick Fury's like walking through the hallway, the hall to his right, the, the wall is awfully scuffed. It is very, very scuffed. Yes. And, I don't have a good explanation for why that wall, as opposed to the other wall, which seems unscuffed. Hulker. Why one of these two walls is is covered in, I don't know, grime? Skid marks? That attention to detail, Andrew, is why you're here. I was going to say, it wouldn't be a Dorowski guest minute if we weren't talking about the layout of a hall. Uh, <laughs> this hallway doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> that, that, we, we had the Thor tunnels. Uh, we had some of the underground uh, lab in Iron Man, I think. We had Captain America in, in a base. Oh, right, yeah. I, I really, it, it makes me sad that you weren't here for Captain America discovering the storage room on the helicarrier. That would have been some tight <laughs> podcasting with the Dorowskis. <laughs> when I was watching it, I thought, oh, we might yeah. have missed our minute right yeah. here. That's, that's right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Somebody was moving some um, 
material down the hallway. It does not look like gunfire, right? It looks like a clumsy shield operative. Couches and chairs. And yeah, just they're, they're awkward and you just drag it sometimes. <laughs> we have, so I've just moved apartments and Joe helped with some of that. And so I'm, I'm totally familiar with the idea of like just dragging things waist high wait wait a minute i just want to know are you, did you just throw joe under the bus as a lousy mover <laughs> scraped up the wall is that the what just apartment? happened on the show i i know a lot about watching out for such things i don't know a lot about actually uh causing such situations yeah. to occur you would never ever ding anything on the way in or out never mm-hmm. oh my gosh the things we're learning on this show but that's what it made me think of. It was like it, it, like it did look like moving scuff marks. It's really interesting because in the scope of a story of like, okay, we want to show that the helicarrier has been, uh, you know, it's gone through a little bit of a battle. It was attacked by uh, Hawkeye and his his uh, the agents that were working uh, with Loki earlier in the film, even though there were only seven of them total. Uh, it, they certainly managed to do a lot of damage to the helicarrier. And it does make it seem like, yeah, we want to make sure that people know that this is the Helicarry and it's been under attack. And so they said, okay, let's put some scuff marks there just to make it look a little rougher. And so they did it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, huh, yeah, why would they have been fighting in this particular hallway? I'm not exactly sure. Either that or when they went to set and they looked at it and said, it looks kind of like a set. Can we do something to make it look a little you know, worn a little more lived in. Sure. Somebody brought a piano through and scraped up the wall. It's such a tricky balance because like, it's supposed to be new, right? Like towards the beginning of the film. Like, I don't, I don't know that it's like the first time it's ever flown, but it's like, okay, this is a relatively new helicarrier. It's never been attacked by gods before. No, I think that's fair. Um, And so it's just like, okay, we need to show that it's not new anymore, but how do you do that? Well, it's like appropriately damaged. (laughs) Right. Not not naturally damaged, just like high intensity. This is not lived in. This is high intensity for a short time. Not lived in, not scuffed, but actively war zoned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the locks are broken by Steve Rogers. And it's one of those things, though, like I just like if it was a different hallway, I suppose that it would have made some more sense. But the fact that it's just this one, I guess, especially because, you know, we've talked about this a lot uh, with the helicarrier in relation to comparable battleships where those hallways are not only really, really short, but they're also really narrow. And so you can understand why there might be scuff marks in hallways on a battleship, because they're carrying big things through very small, tight passageways. Whereas this, I mean, it's a fury-sized passage. Like, it is it's carrying his full sense of furiness here. Like, he needs a big hallway. But at the same time, it does seem like they decided to make it really seem like something that would be on a tight battleship these flaring coattails do not touch the wall (laughs) (laughs) it would would really change the dynamic of this moment if he was like ducking under pipes and like leaning his head from one side (laughs) to the other and then like turning sideways a little bit i've got to say i was legitimately a little sad that we weren't going to take a few minutes to break down the logistics of how characters got from point a to point b and and what something looked like but we have scratched that itch i appreciate this we got it (laughs) here we are oh you missed the earlier minute where 
where we're like, so so Fury leaves the the bridge, and he ends up on the top deck with a bazooka. Yeah, wait, it's like, is there an elevator with a bazooka in it? Well, because we discovered that there are door bazookas. There are always a stash of door bazookas. Uh, yes. Everywhere, Fury's very into bazookas. They're all over the yeah. ship. He's got, the, yeah. the, and don't forget, there was an entire, I don't know how many episodes we talked ro- in a row of pipes that were disconnected, but just sitting in the ceiling <laughs> that are constantly <laughs> falling on people when the, the helicarrier shakes. The the real art architectural masterpiece of the helicarrier is the storage capabilities. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Indiana <laughs> Jones, uh, you know, the storage room for all of the... Uh, the artifacts yes. that it has. <laughs> Just carry it with Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, this thing is crazy. All right. Uh, let's shift gears. We go from this conversation with uh, Fury and Hill. As Pete, you already pointed out, Hill gets the walk away. She walks away and, and we see the bird on the floor. And then we cut to blueprints. We're now looking at blueprints, uh, very fancy blueprints, and we turn out to be in Stark Tower in the penthouse with Tony and Pepper as they're looking at these things. It's a fun little sequence. We get these crazy Stark-style blueprints. What do you think of this? Does Does everyone else think of Minority Report anytime you see like people oh. interacting with tech <laughs> by waving their hands? <laughs> All the time, yes. That's a good call. Yeah, it's totally that. And uh, But it's interesting because this is is this the first time we've seen him doing something that's actually, like, not glass, but it's kind of like a black surface? Like a free freestanding hologram table? I, I like the texture as he rolls it out. Like, it seems thick enough that it could be holding, you know, circuitry within it. So I think that's really good, like, prop design. Yeah, there's something interesting in the way that they construct this. Because, yeah, like, blueprint paper it's always kind of that bluish white paper that it's on but this is a little different it's kind of that high-tech black matted sort of look and you're right it does kind of have this kind of chunky rollout as it as it uh, goes um the the texture and heft of it reminds me of the like fold up ipad covers that almost everybody has where it like folds into into like a a triangle to prop it up right This is, you know, what's really interesting about this, there's a lot going on here in terms of future tech that I find really fascinating because I, for a long time, have been deeply into rollable screens and Samsung has them and Mobis Mobis has done a great um, demo on them. You can watch on on YouTube. Hyundai is starting to use all these curved screens. Like, uh, they're really pioneering, like, how you can put screens everywhere. And this movie was sort of, um, you know, planting... a a sign here that says like this is something that we're going to be able to do even though we can't do it today and it looks very much like the sort of color e-ink rollable screen that we have all of us in our future we'll be able to wrap screens around everything that we want to wrap screens in and they can be on crazy oblong uh, uh, crazy on angles and stuff will happen and then he throws in this this like hologram tech right like being able to like pull the thing out into the air above the above the screen and that's like a whole different layer of multi-angle projection that should not be possible in this thing but you can kind of see because they're using all the constituent elements of things that various companies are working on that that it could be this could be a thing that we can plausibly do and i think it's just fascinating i just get very very excited every time i see this you roll out a screen for me and i'm uh, man, I will just whistle all day. I just love it. 
<laughs> I don't know why I go with whistling all day. Like, I feel like that's a weird thing for me to choose to do. There are other things that I might do better. <laughs> this is the first time I noticed a, a little detail about what he is working on specifically. So if you go to like second 44 or 45 in it, th- when he like spreads out a, a deck of blueprint elements, they each in the upper right corner have one of the Avengers symbols. And so I think he's he's laying out the bedrooms. Yeah, it's interesting because then he taps the one and opens it and it's Captain America's. Uh, I, I guess they're I mean, you can see it when it when the the file we'll just call it um it gets larger it does say in the bottom it says sleeping quarter six so yeah i think that these are he's he's designing it so they each have their own little sleeping quarters it's kind of cool you can you can look at you can see his bed two end tables yeah. a desk yeah. a toilet shower <laughs> i think i see yeah. his yeah. toilet yeah. yeah that is and america's I, toilet is is that his closet <laughs> with the big x on it i don't know I don't know. I, I thought, thought that might be the shower, but uh, now I don't know. This is another moment where, uh, where, where like, we're, we're going to go from this quick zoom in, and when you're watching it minute by minute, this is the sort of thing that's really, uh, you know, jumps out at you. It the very next shot is like, what what happened to everything that we were just looking at on this table? <laughs> it's suddenly a very clean as, as Pepper like raises it up. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess we're down at the other end where Pepper is. I guess, I, yeah, it 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 does seem but they're like holding each other. But yeah, well, oh, you're right. He comes from behind her. But where was okay? Where were they? Because they were right next to each other a second ago. Yeah. He... Okay, so he's on her right, and then he comes around her to stand on on her left. Okay. Yeah. Because well, you can see, like when when it unrolls, yeah, he's yeah, she's on her right. She's at the head the head of the table. We'll say he's on the long end of the table, and he unrolls it, starts tapping it and pulling files and everything. And then we cut to her, presumably still at the end of the table. And then he comes from the side, like. And then when we when the camera starts pulling out, suddenly they're both at the long side of the table. So all of it is like cut together in a very oddly structured way. And none of none of those t- none of those smaller ones that we were looking at are on this big table in, as it starts to pull out. No, yeah. And there's three rolled up blueprints to the side of the table. Yeah, it's weirdly cut together in a way where we're not paying attention because by this point people are you know starting to kind of put their coats on and and uh, you know uh, take those last sips of their sodas. Near the end of this minute, he's they swipe away the holograph that she she lifts up and then they immediately start swiping it away just to look cool. Uh, obviously, they're not learning anything from this because it's up for a grand total of one second. <laughs> but I think uh, there was like a spare swipe near the end that the hologram's already gone. Uh, or, or he just does a little motion with his hand, whereas I think the direction must have been like, just act like you're touching something. We're going to add it all in post. But then there's nothing there <laughs> at the very end. And then they close yeah. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I do love that they actually show you where the the uh, Quinjet is going to sit in the building. That is, that's just one of the things that I, I really like, that little that little nod. Look at that little Quinjet inside the building. It's just going to fall out of the building whenever it takes off. Well, and you can see, like, earlier, like, when he first unrolls it, like, one of the images that does pop up is the new Quinjet. Like, he's already working on that. And when we do cut to Pepper, like, right at the very top edge of the screen, it does say side elevation Quinjet. So it's clear, like, he's thinking about so many of these different things for what he's going to do now that now that he's part of the team. And I guess that's the idea here is, like, Tony's not just Stark anymore. He's actually part of a team. I just have to go back to, like, the scaffolding and the tarp and the buckets who brought that all up? 
why isn't anyone doing any work right now? Well, clearly on a break. <laughs> Did they say, okay, everyone scram. We're going to do some planning on our fancy blueprints in a dusty workspace without a window. Yeah. Okay. I, this really does seem like um, Tony Stark is just trying to show off the blueprints. They're not actually doing anything with it. Because I just timed it. She lifts it up and he has swiped it away within 10 seconds. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> We're not actually looking at the blueprints now. You saw the cool glowy bits. He doesn't want <laughs> yes. her to see something. He's <laughs> like, don't look at that. <laughs> but yeah, like like the setup of the penthouse now with all the stuff in there, but nobody's doing any work. That's a, that's a, it looks like an aluminum pallet full of barrels. I've never seen a pallet made of metal like that. Also unsecured near a giant open hole in the building. I know if that drops down. Yeah. Imagine the split, the, 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 the paint splatter. We have, we have also chronicled, however, that this movie doesn't care about things falling on, on people. Like, that's just never been a concern. Very true. But he did set up his blender. So they've got power running to this location, and he's got his blender going. So he's got the priorities. I just would be, I would just be worried about, like, all the plaster dust getting on my blueprints and in my <laughs> drink. and The things that Tony clearly doesn't think about. Uh, it, it is funny. It's And again, this is all like just a couple days later, and they've already had a whole team come up and start uh, like, I mean, very quick. And I guess it's Tony. He's got the money to get people in right away. But yeah, why did they set everything up and then disappear? They've got a bunch of like workspace lights, but the lights clearly work. They're all plugged in. Yeah. Like the overhead lighting still works. So they don't actually need the, the like construction lighting. I will say those look like halogen lights. So I do understand why the window's open. Uh, oh, it gets so hot. <laughs> oh, things get very hot. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although we haven't really talked about the fact that this is pretty high up, and with a window out like this, you would imagine they would have a lot of wind like rushing into their space here. Yeah, that that plastic sheeting would just be constantly fluttering. Right, they're not nary a flap as we watch this. Nary a flap, you poser! <laughs> I, I'm starting to wonder. If they filmed this really up high for real on a skyscraper, I'm starting to think maybe it wasn't on location. <laughs> they are totally trying to fake us out here. Yeah, this minute is when we learn it wasn't a documentary. I bet that's not even natural sunlight. <laughs> I'm just what? Uh, I, I mean, I know we've, we're probably near the very tail end, but I'm just looking at this last shot as we're like pulling out. What are these construction crews doing with this combination of ladders and plastic sheeting and halogen lighting? And so many buckets and so much cement, like those those bags full of, yeah. I assume, cement to mix up. Well, the buckets of, uh, is it paint, I guess, that they're doing? Maybe they're, I, I mean, they could be, I mean, I guess, yeah, the cement may be repairing the hole in the floor that where Hulk tossed, you know, kind of made with Loki. So that all tracks, but they don't need ladders for that. Uh, no, and I'm trying to remember, like, did we even see damage to the ceiling? Like, the only damage, let's see, we had Tony blast uh, Loki through the window and then into the back wall. We had uh, Jarvis call up the Mark Seven and break through its door. And the window, and the door, yeah. Oh, so if it broke through the door, I think you can see that broken door in the back. Yep, the back, right. Yep, that's back there. Loki tossed Tony through the window, mm -hmm. which is why we have the broken windows here. And then Hulk came smashing through also. Uh, but then when Hulk, I, I mean, really, it's 
he he hits Loki once and Loki again hits into the, like the back of the room and then he does his whole puny god smash smash into the floor but that's kind of it it's like this is a lot more damage than likely there is uh to the actual space or or a lot more repair work than i think would actually be necessary cuz yeah the the ceiling shouldn't need anything i doubt those ladders are necessary well, how else do they hang up the giant sheets of this queen? <laughs> if, if you're working for Tony Stark, <laughs> you just kind of like put lots of stuff around and like slow, slow roll through. Right. You know <laughs> what I what I love about these ladders, though, is like, look at the ladder. The ladders have like glowing blue yes. lights on them. And motor- these are Iron Man suit ladders. Like you have to imagine these came out of a briefcase somehow. It does look like that. <laughs> I, I noticed the blue light and I wasn't going to mention anything. But since you mentioned it. Like, did those ladders fly up to this penthouse? <laughs> yes. Answer is yes. And and you don't need permission. You don't have to hold back and wait for weirdness to be broached on the show. I feel like you should know that by now. But yeah. Like, I've never seen a ladder that looked quite like this. I. What are those things? It just, like, are these such a strange... Are these robot ladders? They just go where Tony tells them, and he's doing all the repairs himself. I mean, you know, the set designer was just like, make it visually interesting. No one's ever going to dig into this. Uh, (laughs) Get a few layers of depth of field and uh, and throw a little bit of, you know, pop a light here and there. And no one will even care. It's just this is the big breath at the end of the film, everyone. No one's looking at this closely. Exactly. Yeah. And here we are. But then there's just a regular wheelbarrow. Why Why is that wheelbarrow not like Repulsor Tech wheelbarrow? Not a smart barrow. I, the, the <laughs> other piece that I, that I have a challenge with is that she, like there, particularly Pepper, she is wearing these like beige sort of nude colored flats. And there is still, if you look off to the left side of the floor. Are you sure? Yeah. I think she's barefooted again. I don't think she's barefooted, and only because I have looked at this a lot, because originally I thought she was barefooted. But I am going full screen, and she is not barefooted. There is a lot of rubble and glass still on the floor. Oh, there is. And this feels so dangerous. There's like, this is a tetanus appointment ready to happen. I think you're right. I think she is wearing a very minimal nude colored Mm -hmm. shoe. I agree with that. But it's it's hard to tell, even full screen. But I, I I didn't really notice the shards on the left and right of their little workstation, which again, where was? How did Tony get to the other end of that workstation? Now I'm really getting frustrated because <laughs> I just scrubbed it again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it doesn't make sense. But it's like these moments are supposed to be reversed. But that wouldn't make any sense for the shot zooming out. Well, and also, I mean, the shots themselves don't cut together. Like even the shot of him where he's uh, like where he just rolled the blueprint out and he starts tapping on it. When it cuts to that overhead shot, the next shot, that doesn't like nothing lines up. Right. You know, we're looking at the training area. We have the Avengers Tower training area that we have on screen there. That wasn't on the previous screen. And those those files that he pops up, they would be over whatever he first is tapping on and the, the Quinjet image. And those aren't there when he switches. So it's almost like they came up with some cool shots, but none of them actually cut together exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. the, those shots where we just see hands? Do you think that's actually uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Robert Downey Jr.? Or do you think 
they have stand-ins just doing some of that handwork uh, on the we blueprints. We see it cut, like when she lifts up the holograph. That's definitely her. So, it, so hers, yeah. We see Pepper, but yeah, but Tony. When they roll them out, you can't see enough, and then Tony's hands. Yeah, the unroll could be anyone. Yeah, that that might not be that might not be him. That might be just hey, we need something. We, we need this to look cooler. Someone go unroll this. Yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah, that's kind of a hand, and the hand that's tapping the way that middle finger works is that that's a hand model is what we're saying. <laughs> that's not just an actor. That's a hand actor. But but they they probably <laughs> but they probably studied Robert Danny Jr.'s gestures so they could replicate. Yeah, I'm sure exactly sure of it. Yeah, <laughs> method method hand acting. Only the finest for the final moments of the Avengers. All right. Well, let's wrap up Minute 133. We're going to have uh, more of a conversation with you two to talk about tomorrow in Minute 134. So uh, what are you two working on these days? Do you have anything you want to plug for everybody? Uh, yeah, I'm still uh, hosting the Protagonist Podcast, and Andrew is the producer over there and a frequent uh, guest, where uh, each week we talk about a great character in a great story, and uh, we, we keep it eclectic and uh, try and bounce around to different kinds of stories. And um, each month we try and cover a comic book, a TV show, a film, and a novel uh, that we're going to have a discussion about. And again, that's just called The Protagonist Podcast. And I, in addition to producing that, I work on Disney Animation Minute Essentials, which is a Movies by Minutes podcast for Disney animated films. I do that with my wife, Kestra. And both of those are hosted on the Dueling Genre Network of Podcasts. Well, we will have links for those in the show notes. So check that out, everybody. And thank you both so much for joining us today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for Minute 134. So, Pete, thanks as always. Oh, God, Andy, do you just wonder what are they going to do with this building next? (laughs) I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yapo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>